The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Wednesday, May the 25th, and today we're going to be looking at the latest from the NBA playoffs, as well as some recent news on DeAndre Ayton, the Orlando Magic, the Portland Trailblazers, and more, as well as the fantasy impact of all of it. To do this, I am joined by Brad Stonebreaker and Jonas Nader, who is not only wearing the old school Roto World polo, which you got to appreciate, also uh, has an ongoing bird situation. Jonas, do you want to update us for anyone who wasn't here last week maybe just bring us up to speed on what's going on with you and birds and windows so last week i brought up a story about how we kept hearing this random knocking on our windows at like 6 7 a.m and it's just constant and it just every single window in the house and we could not figure out what and then today i got a good look at it and it was just like this giant bluebird and so we looked it up um and apparently it's mating season here for them so congrats on the you know what so yeah so they see the reflection in the windows and they just go crazy, man. So wow. um, I thought about bringing my iPod up here and just blasting like Hungry Eyes by Eric Carvin just to, you know, encourage it a little bit more. But yeah, just to get on video. But um, I'm hoping he makes an appearance. He did ding up my window pretty good. So maybe we'll see him. Maybe not. As for yeah. the polo, yeah, I was scared that Brad was going to wear his blue shirt like Raph and have another situation like last week. So I made a gut call. Let's go with the polo. Um, that's where we are. Yeah. I, I like it. And I've got the NBC Sports Edge polo on. So, Brad, I feel like we had a chance for another great wardrobe moment had you worn the blue, but it's okay. I'm not I'm not upset. I forgive you. I know. And even, even worse, I'm wearing a, a Lakers related shirt. So I'm I'm oh, just wow. I'm I'm sorry all around. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't wow. want to have to share that, but Wow. Yeah. Tough. Is it Tough. a Westbrook jersey? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Just making sure. Is it a Malik Monk jersey? <laughs> I wish, I wish that would be that would be cool. <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's quickly get into some playoff takeaways because I do want to get to the news because there are a bunch of uh, somewhat <laughs> juicy headlines to break down. But let's talk about the latest from the playoffs on what was that Tuesday night? Yes, Tuesday night we saw the Mavs stay alive, hold off the Warriors one nineteen to one hundred nine. This game not only featured a roof delay, Jonas water coming through the roof. Draymond Green landed a free throw on the back flat part of the rim which is quite an achievement and uh we saw Luka Doncic almost pull off a 30 point triple double same day he was named uh first team all all NBA so Jonas uh long story short what do you think you think the Mavs uh just basically stayed alive for one more day and we're gonna see game set and match on Thursday what are you expecting do you expect this to end in five or go six I'm putting you on the spot I'm glad you, you're not bringing up the thought um, that I've said the Mavs were going to win in seven games. Like, that was just an egregious take. Um, surprised I didn't get the freezing cold take on that, but my God. But, I mean, it all boils down to they finally made some shots, right? Luca's going to do his thing every night where he's getting you 30 yeah. to 40 points. But who was it? Maxi Kleber had his first shot, I think, in two weeks, which is great to see. Great to see. Uh, yeah. Reggie Bullock hit his first three. Another thing great to see. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Brunson's been on and off. I mean, the Mavericks just haven't been all on the same night, which has kind of been odd. Right. And Doc was texting me last night too. He was like, 
I want the Mavs to lose right now because they've got to bring in Luca more talent. And I was just thinking, if you took Luca off that roster, how many games would they win in the regular season? Both of you, I want to hear your answer. What would you say? Yeah, think about this. My initial instinct, and I'm going to go with it, is 32. 32. I was going to say 30. Yeah. I was going to say 25. 25-30 were the first two numbers that came to me. Yeah. Yeah. $1. I'll take $1. Yeah, they have three players in the top 200 for me. Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and maybe Luka. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) they need to bring him some help, man. It's it's just ridiculous. But uh, I love Luka's how nonchalant Luka was. He was smiling, having fun. He hit, like, six step-back threes, the slowest release I've ever seen. It was, like, Jokic style almost, (laughs) but – yeah, I, I think the Warriors are going to end it in five, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, here we are. What about you, Brad? Yeah, uh, sadly, have to agree. I mean, they made their shots. They made twenty threes uh, in in game four. Like that's gonna that's gonna do it. But they can't they can't hold on to any leads. I mean, they, they were up twenty nine at some yeah. point last night, and the Warriors brought it to eight in the fourth quarter, yep. completely out of nowhere. And they've lost. I think. A, I think it was two other games this series. They were up double digits and still ended up losing. So even if they are making their shots, I, I'm still not sure I can trust them. And I, I don't think they'll go. I think game five is going to be uh, where it ends. I'm on the same boat in the same boat as, as Jonas. Did you guys think Kevin Looney looked off too? Like, I feel like, yes, he's probably the slowest player in the NBA, but I think it was like another level uh, last night. It was, it was hard to watch. Honestly, do they make an adjustment and, and go with more Kaminga? Maybe they did. Yeah. Uh, Kaminga played five minutes the whole series before last night, and he got in the first quarter. It may have been due to Looney. It could have been because Otto Porter Jr. was out. Um, but Kaminga actually looked actually looked pretty good. It wasn't a total garbage time special either. Um, Seventeen points, eight boards. So I'm I'm also curious if they use him more um, down the stretch. Using a 19 year old in the finals, assuming they make it, does seem risky. But if if, if he's doing this, then you got to play him a few minutes. You know, I think. Yeah, that was. That was the first time Looney has looked mortal in a minute, so I'm going to give him a pass. He's <laughs> yeah. been awesome. And, uh, yeah, I would imagine he looks better as it goes back to back yeah. to the Bay. And I had another thought about Oh, I was going to say maybe the best way to hang on to a lead is not just continually wildly jacking up threes. It's possible that, <laughs> maybe. The, maybe. that the style of play lends itself to potentially blowing a lead. 43 attempts. I think they're averaging more than 45 attempts in the series from three. So the Mavs have, have gone three-point happy to to an extreme. But it's kind of entertaining, I guess. I don't know. It'd be fun to see this, this series go another game or two, maybe. I don't know. I kind of just want the Warriors to win it. I mean, I think the Warriors probably should have left their bench in the entire fourth quarter last night. I think they were in a groove. I mean, they brought it back from, what, 30 mm-hmm. points down, I think. But... I think that may have been a mistake, but I think Kerr, he really wanted to get this series over with just so they get all that rest because I think the the other series we're going to talk about, Miami-Boston, I think it's going to go the full seven games because they're dropping like flies over yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's go there right now. Um, so we've got game five coming up on Wednesday night. And just to refresh our memory, guys, or anyone else's memory, in case any of us tried to erase it, the score of game four was 18-1 to Celtics with 333 left in the first. I mean... Brad, I was legitimately sitting there thinking, are they going to score six points in this first? Are they going to get to six points in this first quarter? And what? That was so weird. I, I still can't really wrap my head around it. More than anything, I was just waiting on them to hit a shot. I, I didn't really care. I wasn't even looking at the score. Just like, all right, is Miami going to hit a shot at any point today, or at least in the yeah. first quarter? 
Um, they, yeah. they didn't score till Old Depot came in with 3:22 left. He made a three. They missed their first 14 shots, which is the longest drought without a field goal in the last 25 years. Um, the starters on, in the game scored 18 points on seven of 36 shooting, which is the fewest Jeez. in a playoff game since it was tracked back in 1970. Um, they were just on <laughs> the wrong side of history, like in so many ways, and. They never really brought it back. They lost that uh, first quarter by 18 and lost by 20. So, I mean, they didn't have a horrible three last quarters of the game, but they dug a deep enough hole for themselves that they just, it wasn't going to happen. Conspiracy theory time. Okay. Did the Miami Heat punt game four? We go to you, we go to you live, Stephen A. Smith. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, honestly, the first quarter was a joke. It was a joke. Yeah. They didn't come to play. I, I think they punted the game. Honestly, they're they're unhealthy. Jimmy Butler's knee isn't right. He's never going to admit that. He said it didn't bother him. Right. Come on, this is Jimmy Butler. He's never going to admit it. Um, he was probably in the gym last night practicing at 3 a.m., of course. Got two hours <laughs> of sleep. Slammed on a coffee. He's going to be ready for, for tonight. But, yeah, I don't know. It's going to really come down to Tyler Harrow. Is he healthy? Because I don't know about you guys. I'm not really buying this Aladipo resurgence. Yes, he's had a big game here and there. But if you look at the numbers closely, like, they're not that great uh, yeah. on the grand scale, too. So uh, I'd be a little worried if I was my if I was Miami if Tyler Harrow doesn't play and he's currently questionable. And it sounds like it was a two to four week injury, or so they're saying. I don't know if they're trying to Jeez. deploy a smoke screen here, but yeah, I'm, I'd be legitimately worried if I'm Miami here. Well, and you have Max Struess disappeared last game. Mm-hmm. I think he was a straight up zero, wasn't he, in that yeah, game? Oh for seven. Oh uh, for seven. Kyle Lowry's not really there yet. Like, on the one hand, you want to just throw that game in the trash if you're Miami, right? And you, you can say, all right, well, they're going to look much better at home, which I think to some extent wouldn't surprise me at all. But the big variable for me beyond Hero is Jimmy Butler, who, and I, I just want to focus on that for a second. So three for 14 shooting, six points after he left with knee soreness the previous game. As you said, Jonas, according to Joe Varden of The Athletic, Butler said that bad game had, quote, nothing to do with my knee. But I do share a little bit of your skepticism there. So how worried really are we about Jimmy Butler moving forward in this series? I'd say very. I mean, how many times have we heard the words Jimmy Butler and knee, right? This is why we don't draft him in the second round anymore. Like, this is a a big concern. If this is happening um, in the conference finals and he's missing, I mean, he's missing part of game three, probably should have sat game four, to be honest, too. So I'm legitimately concerned, but I don't think it's available. Obviously, he's playing tonight, but... We'll have to see. I, like I said, I think Harrow's kind of the more important thing here because I think Butler's going to play no matter what. So we'll have to see what happens with Harrow. By the way, Brad, Miami, uh, two-point underdogs at home, according to points bet at last check. So that's kind of how quickly things have gone south for the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, two good teams, obviously. Usually if one gets blown out, you'd expect the other sure. to bounce back um, and be maybe slight favorites. But maybe points bet was like, man, like they were so bad that we can't we can't even give them a couple points and i i don't blame them but this series has just been so bizarre like i don't know that i don't think there's bizarre. another but a better word for it it's just been so odd there's it's 2-2 but there's been 20 point leads in every game and 30 point leads in two of them and i mm-hmm. i did, i couldn't tell you what what's going to happen tonight I, I wouldn't be surprised if miami started out like 35 to 10 in the first quarter or something that's just how the series has been going so uh, yeah. yeah, I just—it's so hard to so hard to tell. Did I hallucinate this stat in Game Four that Miami has led like two quarters, one two quarters in this series? Is that possible? I think they've won three total quarters this series. 
Okay. Yeah, they've tied like two or three, but I think they were victorious in three of them. Yeah. Which is also okay. insane. Okay. So Jonas quickly getting back to a player you brought up, Victor Oladipo. He was actually a bright mm-hmm. spot in the blowout loss, 23 points, four rebounds, six dimes. On the one hand, uh, it has been a solid playoffs for him. 11.5 points, three rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.3 threes. But you were alluding to some other stats that you were not too excited about. I'm wondering if that's the field goal percentage. Anyways, I just want your thoughts on Oladipo, who is, by the way, a pending free agent. So what do we make of this playoffs for him so far? Yeah, so this is a player who pretty much the last three or four years for him has been a wash because we ha- he's had that quad issue, and that's led to serious knee issues as well, too. So it's like a yeah. double whammy there. Shot 38% from the field so far and 31% from three. Like those are two red flags, especially for fantasy managers as well. Um, if you remember back, I think it was like five, six years ago, his only one and only first round campaign is he was averaging like two steals a game, right? Uh, I don't think he's going to do that anymore, right? He doesn't have the athleticism. Um, he does have it in spurts, but it's nothing sustained too, right? He'll have little, these little spurts, then he'll just be completely exhausted, which I get it, right? He's getting up there in age as well. Um, he's going to be, I think, no, he'll be 30 the entire season next year, too. So he's getting up there in age. Yeah. I guess question how much he has left. And I don't see how he tricks me into drafting him next season unless it's just like an absolute no-brainer on like a garbage team. You know what I mean? Right. If Oladipo, you know, does get a deal from a you would under, you wouldn't you'd be a little confused why a bad team would give him a contract. Mm-hmm. But I mean, e- either way, like he's on, let's say he I don't know what what's he gonna get on the is he gonna get a one year, is he gonna take a one year prove it deal kind of thing? It's just I feel like then you're going to be worried about shutdown risks for a guy who's going back into free agency potentially. I just don't see how we're going to feel good about a 30-year-old 30-year-old Oladipo next year, even though it's it's been nice to see him contributing in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even – I don't think he was in line to play at all in Game 3 until Jimmy Butler got hurt, and then he played like most of the second half, and his defense was actually really good, but it, it just kind of comes and goes, like Jonas says, kind of spurts, like he has it in him. But if, if he moves mm-hmm. teams, I still think he's going to get hurt at some point. And then, I mean, imagine if he was on the Thunder. They'd let him play about four games and then be like, no, like you're good. Like, please sit the rest of the season. So I can't right. get too excited about him from at least a fantasy standpoint. But he's he's. I think there's part of him that still has like some of that hustle and some of that grit in him, which is refreshing at the very least. But for strictly fantasy purposes, I can't can't get behind it. I, I think regardless of where where he ends up. If he, if he ends up anywhere. All right. We're going to hit some recent NBA headlines, which I mentioned, and we'll discuss the fantasy impact of those headlines. But first, we'll take a very quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs for Premier League on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. Okay, now to this recent fantasy news. Jonas graciously pulled together a bunch of headlines, and one that actually broke after Jonas pulled together this list of headlines was this one from Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News. The Nets are, quote, outright unwilling to offer Kyrie Irving a long-term extension this offseason. That is not exactly murky language, Brad. <laughs> There's not a lot of ambiguity there. It feels like we're setting ourselves up for an extremely awkward situation here, like, regardless in this upcoming season. My question is why? Like, he's best friends with Kevin Durant. Like, you risk uh, pissing off Kevin Durant, too, by doing this? Like, yeah. I feel like Kyrie's the, the baggage you kind of have to accept by keeping Kevin Durant, right? And so that's this doesn't make sense to me, honestly. I don't get it. I mean, are you just going to trade Kyrie and just be left with Ben Simmons? You know, like that sounds a little bit risky. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't understand why. I I get it that they're irritated with them and all that stuff, but I just don't get it. What's Plan B then? You know? Yeah. Start o start over. I don't know. I mean, player option for this upcoming season, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess, I, I don't know, you would assume he is not going to be happy playing out that player option, even though it's a, a big chunk of money, Brad. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's a sticky situation, like you said. I think I think Joe's uh, said it best. I think if Kyrie's gone, KD's not going to want to be there. I mean, Ben Simmons might not ever play again, and his next best option is, what, Bruce Brown? And with all due respect, he had a great year. Also a free agent. Yeah, yeah, he could be he could be gone too. I mean, I just don't know. I, I think Kevin Durant's at the point in his career where he'll probably get what he wants, and if Kyrie leaves and he does not want that, he'll probably do something that will be desirable to his situation. So it'll just be a whole domino effect of all right, who's going to land where, and then the Nets are just going to have to rebuild all over again. And after this promising trio they had last season or before the trade deadline, and then they're going to have to start from start from scratch. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this will all blow over and prove to be nothing, but the words outright unwilling will get your attention when you see them. Who's going to take Kyrie, though? Like, I know he's burned a lot of bridges. I just wonder, who's going to take Kyrie at this point? I can maybe name two or three teams, like maybe this, I don't know. I don't think Spurs, because they got plenty of point cards, but maybe Dallas, you know? Uh, I, I could think of two teams. That's about it, honestly. Yeah, it's crazy. Wild situation. So obviously one will be monitoring... Meanwhile, let's go to Washington, where according to the Washington Post, Bradley Beal is leaning towards signing a multi-year extension worth roughly $250 million. Now, we talked about Beal on Monday's show, who, when he played, was basically a seventh-round player this year. Um, we've seen a recent decline in games played, obviously missed like half the season this year. He's now almost 20 years old. So, Jonas, what do you think of Beal at this moment in fantasy? Let's say, hypothetically, he does sign that extension. He's staying with the Wizards. Is he a bounce back guy for you at age 29 or is he a stay away in fantasy? 
Well, originally you said at age 20. So if we're going to take Did eight I years off 20? Brad Beal's, yeah, if we're going to take eight years off Brad Beal's life, I think he's locked in as a first rounder. There's just a lot, of, a lot of career trajectory there. Not 29, 29. Yeah. Let's add the it's nine. It's going to be 29. So I'm kind of in on Brad Beal. Obviously, that was a terrible year. His points per game dropped by eight. Um, the key thing there was the three-point shooting was just horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, 34% the year before. He was at 30% this year. Jeez. I mean, come on. 5.3 attempts per game. I'm expecting a bounce back here. He had surgery. He's going to be healthy. He's had plenty of time to recover. Um, this is supposed to be his prime, right? Like, he didn't just all of a sudden lose it. I think he's just going to be completely fine. Um, bounce back territory for sure. Um, sounds like he's excited to play with Przingis. And honestly, Przingis looked pretty good in Washington. So it'll be a fun opening few weeks until he gets hurt. Um, but yeah, other than that... <laughs> I kind of like Brad Beal, late second, early third. You're getting about a round more affordable than you were last year. I'm in. I'm in. Absolutely. Brad? Uh, yeah, d- d- I think just depending uh, what his ADP is going to look like. I mean, b- before this season, I was pretty excited about him because there's no Westbrook, and he just he played forty. It's, he played forty games. It seems like he played like twelve, but. I yeah, yeah. The, all his numbers were down. He's never shot less than thirty five percent from three in his previous nine years. He was at like thirty on the dot this year, and there's I just don't think there's any way that sticks just just from trends and patterns from past years. And he averaged more than thirty points a game last two seasons. So if if anything, I'm kind of hoping that managers use a down year, and he slides down a bit in drafts, and I can get him. Like Jonas said, that's exactly where I was looking at kind of late second early third i think he is i think he could still be a value if you get him in the late third or i'm sorry early third 20 years old early third late third yeah. 29 20 Doesn't it's matter. all it's all just numbers especially too when you look at all the question marks that are going to be in the second and third round like yeah bo to me is a no-brainer right there well and aren't we really looking for in those rounds aren't we looking for we're not looking for the guys who will be second or third rounders. We're looking for guys who might be first rounders. That's sure. that's kind of what you're hoping to land there. So, yeah, to to some extent, you've kind of talked me back into Beal as a as a potential cheat code because really, like, the key to having a great fantasy team is like if you can get multiple top twelve guys, as many mm-hmm. as you know, a few of those guys somehow uh, in the draft, a couple guys jump up from their ADP. Obviously, I mean. Not to mention the Wizards are probably going to be anywhere from like seven to like 11 range in East. So that's going to really help them ahead to head playoffs too. Like this year was just a complete joke with all these players shutting down, but teams that are in that seven through 11 sweet spot. um, I think that's kind of like prime territory. Okay. Uh, Now in Phoenix, there's some thought based on what we've been reading that DeAndre Aiden and the Suns maybe are at odds here. Now there's word via Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report that, and I'm going to quote here, Aiton is expected to command a maximum salary, but there is skepticism among league executives the Suns would match such a lucrative offer. Now, we all know the season kind of ended awkwardly for Aiton and Monty Williams, seemingly. Monty Williams saying, you know, Aiton not playing a lot of minutes was internal. Who knows? It's possible we're overanalyzing this, but we might as well discuss it. Brad, what do you make of all of this? And if we think there's a world where Aiden could make a jump to another team, do you think actually he could benefit there in theory if he changed addresses? It's, I think he could. I mean, I, I think the issue with the Suns is at least this season his usage wasn't there. I mean, he was at twenty one point seven percent usage, and that's not bad. But mm. of guys that played for of big men that played forty games, that's behind guys like Lamarcus Aldridge and Kevin Love. I mean, 
I think he just has to be get more touches and just be more involved in the offense. Um, no matter where he goes, he's going to be a points, boards, field goal percentage guy, like no matter what. Like those are three categories he's just a beast in. But his blocks were way down this year after averaging more than one yeah. in the last two years, and that worries me. And you'd have to think that those go back up if he does if he does move, or even if he doesn't, I'd like to think they start to pick back up a little bit. But I don't think I'd move him all too much on my draft board. Uh, even if he moves, I think I'd probably let someone else take the take the DeAndre Ayton trial if he if he does uh, end up somewhere else. And then if he just absolutely goes crazy, I'll um, I'll give them a congrats and say you told me so. <laughs> Jonas, are you going to tell Brad so? I mean, the quote here was, it said Phoenix balked at the <laughs> offer, the five-year, $170 million offer. Like, okay, that's, that's kind of strange. But um, so they, they linked three teams. This is the same report, by the way, Jake Fisher's report. They linked Atlanta, Detroit, and Portland as like the three teams that could swoop in. Um, so the Atlanta aspect there is they would probably move Click Capella. They would have to sign and trade. Yeah, and so the only two real options here are detroit and they also mentioned charlotte too if he's in detroit or charlotte yes on paper that's gonna be really good for his value but ayton's not the kind of guy that's gonna demand the ball right he just doesn't have seem to have that motor like this is a mm -hmm. guy that chris ball basically had the spoon feed to get him going so i'd be a little worried if he leaves phoenix and if he leaves chris paul maybe charlotte with a mellow ball just i don't know tossing him 10 lobs a game but yeah, I think he kind of needs to stay in Phoenix. Um, I don't think he's getting the max, obviously. Um, but I think the Suns kind of have to keep him, right? Is there a restricted free agent? What's their plan B? They don't really have one. Are they going to play Biombo? Like, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is all negotiation, you know, tactics. Who knows? We'll see. It, it does feel like it makes the most sense for him to stay in Phoenix. But as for the blocks that you mentioned, Brad, I think, you know, we saw it go from 1.2 to 0.7, and obviously it doesn't feel like a lot, but 0.5 is a big dip, especially when you're only starting at 1.2 in the first place. I think I'm going to treat that as the outlier and treat Aiden as a one or more blocks guy. And if we see, obviously we'll panic if we see, you know, we'll change our perceptions if we see another like 0.7 season out of him. But I think for now, I'm going to treat that as the outlier. I would like to hope so, at least. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty worried about him. I, the only re the reason I have um, I have some sort of optimism. He's not the only guy we saw have their blocks go down. I mean, Nurkic did, mm -hmm. wasn't blocking shots. It was a weird season. Might have just been some fluky stuff going on. But I think Capella two years ago too, Matt. Remember that Capella had that one weird season where he wasn't blocking anything. Mm -hmm. Yep, it happens. It happens. Official scores, unfortunately, have a lot to do with this as well. Yeah. We've all watched yeah. games where a player on the road like clearly gets a block and doesn't get credit oh, for it. Dude, have you seen my Jaron Jackson conspiracies? I've watched those games. His first year especially, he would have like five or six swats a game, and the scorekeeper would give him like one. Yeah, and I'm not even kidding. I, I tweeted out every single block. Okay, another block here. They never gave it to him. I was like, okay, I got to be this goalkeeper. To get a block shot on the road, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you, you kind of got to throw it into the stands. I mean, yeah. you got to really swat it clearly to, to get credit for that. And yeah, good times. I remember yeah. when Hakeem Olajuwon was with the Raptors. He had like an eight-block game in Toronto. Why am I talking about this? I don't know. But it's <laughs> like the perfect example at the end of his career. Like, did Hakeem really block yeah. eight shots? Okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll go conspiracy block shot conspiracy theories on a future episode. Let's sure. let's get some draft news here. Okay. There are conflicting reports on what the Magic plan to do with their number one pick. Jabari Smith, of course, a possibility, but also Jonas, 
I imagine your ears are perking up here as you added this to our list of topics. Chet Holmgren is reportedly a consideration for Orlando. No huge surprise, I guess. Um, but what are your thoughts on the fit if Chet did land with the Magic? Yeah, and this comes from John, John Hollinger, too, who's like extremely plugged in with all kinds of draft stuff, all kinds of front office stuff, too. So they still have Jabari as the odds-on favorite. I looked at all the books. It still mm-hmm. looks like he's the odds-on favorite, but I think it's going to swing towards Chet. Um, I think I said last week, Orlando is obsessed with length. I mean, look at Jonathan Isaac. Look at all mm-hmm. those guys. They are obsessed with length, and there is no one longer than Chet except for maybe Pogusevsky. So I kind of buy this story. He did mention it could be a smokescreen to get OKC to trade up from number two to number one because they really like Chet as well. But I think it's actually more real than smoke. So you bring in Chet. You're probably going to start a Twin Tower lineup of Chet and Wendell Carter Jr., Mm -hmm. But I think you give Wendell Carter Jr. the backup center minutes too. So they're not going to be playing together exclusively, right? There's going to be like a 24, 24, and then maybe eight minutes together. Then you have the question of, do you start Jonathan Isaac at the three or Franz Wagner? I mean, at this point, you may be leaning towards Wagner, right? Isaac's missed the last 19 years. It's unfortunate. It's going to be a really, really fun lineup in Orlando. They're still missing that, um, I would say, another shooting guard. They got a shooter between Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. They have a lot of questions, man. I don't even want to get into it right now, but they have a lot of questions. But I think Chet is just a no-brainer for them. And I don't hate Jabari either. I have him like 51 in favor of Chet in terms of my who my pick would be, 51-49. But yeah, you can't go wrong here. And I think the Thunder know that and they're happy to. There is the Gonzaga connection too, which you mentioned with Jalen Suggs. I was kind of thinking of this while you were talking about it. I forgot Jonathan Isaac even existed. Like I it wasn't even That's I wasn't weird. even putting him into like my thought process at all. So that does I'd say that might change a little bit, but Wagner had such a good rookie season. He's like he's proven he he's durable from what we can tell. Um, I don't think you can just totally take away all of his minutes and put Isaac in there, who hasn't played like you said in forever. I think Holmgren would be the more fun pick if if that makes any sense. May probably higher upside. Mm-hmm. Um, just all that mm-hmm. length and so so many blocks in college. It's it's just going to be a lot of fun. But Jabari is a, a stud too. Like he can he from what I can tell, he can play basically everywhere, defend one through five, and I think any team could use that. Uh, so I don't think you can go wrong if you're, if you're Orlando, but I think Holmgren could be the higher upside guy, especially considering Mo Bamba is almost definitively on the move as well. And you can, you have an exact spot to put him, uh, replace him with. And one more thing too, Chet going to Orlando would be much better for him. Only this year, right? Just for this year alone, because we have to worry about the tank and OKC again, they're going to shut down their best guys two months to go because they want Wimbanya next year. So, right. Um, by the way, as for Isaac, is there a guy out there who's more of a, a just a complete wild card in next year's drafts? I mean, I, I can't even imagine what his ADP is going to be and truly a guy who could like just be this, this league changing force if he's healthy. I mean, when last we saw mm-hmm. this guy, 2019-20, for part of a season, he averaged 1.6 steals and 2.3 blocks. You just don't find that. I mean, it's yeah. just... But but he's he's also like there, there's a huge risk, so it's going to be a really fascinating game of chicken, I think, in drafts where where he goes. That's going to be kind of one of the most fun guys to see where he gets drafted. Yeah, I'm almost scared talking about him because I want to draft him so bad, and I just I kind of want his name to be forgotten. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like I kind of want him to be the forgotten man. Gotcha. Well, we buried this in the 30th minute or so of the <laughs> yeah. podcast for there you, go. Jonas. There we go. Yeah. Had a report recently in the Athletic, John Hollinger and Sam Vecini that. Portland looks to be leaning toward trading number seven to get more help for Damian Lillard with Jeremy Grant, a rumored target there. Brad, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on, again, we're talking hypotheticals here, if Grant landed in a city like Portland? I mean, I think given the shutdown risk were he in Detroit, a trade could be a good thing for his fantasy outlook, right? And not just because his dad played for the Blazers in the mid-90s, though I do feel like we have to mention that. I think a better spot for fantasy, the, I think the Blazers, as long as Dame's healthy, I think they're going to be semi-competitive and, and won't totally shut down. Jeremy Grant and Dame Lillard were teammates in the Tokyo Olympics and are apparently pretty good friends as well. And Grant could easily slide into 32, 35 minutes a night. I mean, with all due respect to all the silly season Portland guys that were playing so much last season, I think mm-hmm. a few of them could probably get a get a demotion in, in favor of Grant. So I, th- I think it's a decent spot for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame Portland for getting him. He's like he's someone you know what you're going to get. And whereas uh, a rookie, the seventh pick, it's it's always a wild card. One through sixty, like they're all wild cards. You you don't know exactly what you're going to get because they haven't been on that stage. But Grant, he's been around a decent amount of time. And if that's what they want, I think it's a, a fair trade. And I, w- I wouldn't blame them for, for pulling the plug. So Portland's new big three would be Dame Lillard, Jeremiah Grant, and Drew Eubanks. <laughs> right? And Brandon Williams, <laughs> big four. With my guy Watford thrown in there as well. Right. I mean, I think it's probably fair value, Grant, for the seventh pick. But I question why would Portland do this, right? Is that enough help to get Portland over the edge? I don't think so, right? He couldn't do it with CJ McCollum and all those guys. Like, I think they're going to take a, I think they're going to be worse than they were two years ago, right? They lost Bob Covington as well. I don't know, man. I feel like they're delaying the inevitable. I think if they really want to rebuild and do this right, you trade mm-hmm. Dame because you're going to get a monster, monster package of prospects, picks, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. I think that's their best bet. Ill advised or no, I do think we'd still hope for Grant fantasy wise to go to Portland just because. Yeah. Their outlook, in theory, still would be probably better than the Pistons in terms of like avoiding a, a late shutdown, I think. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, where would you take Grant, just theoretically, if you went to Portland, real quick? Seventh, eighth, ninth? I don't know. Sound about right? Yeah. I, seventh, seventh kind of sounds about right to me. We're talking about a guy who, I'm just looking at his numbers, 19 points, four rebounds, two and a half dimes, 0.9 steals, a block, and 1.93s. I mean, he's a good fantasy player when when he's out there. You'd like to see more rebounds, but I think at this point we just kind of know we're not going to get that. Steals, blocks, threes, points. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that Gerald Wallace stat set. Not as oh. good, obviously, but yeah. No, who he was, was monster. Who was? Mm. How do I not have a Gerald Wallace jersey? That's a I question I sometimes ask myself. Okay, finally, last topic here. There are a lot of Zach Levine rumors swirling. Understandably, he's an unrestricted free agent, and it is sounding like, according to Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago, there is a real chance that Zach Levine could go elsewhere. It's also worth noting, Jonas, as I want to get your thoughts on this, that Levine reportedly had surgery on that bothersome left knee on Tuesday. So, where do you land on all of this hypotheticalness? We'll start with the knee thing. It's apparently extremely minor. It's called arthroscopic surgery. He should be back by the training camp, I would say, even too. So that doesn't concern me at all, especially mm-hmm. when you consider Levine. He plays through everything. Like this injury happened in February, if I remember correctly, and he played through it the entire way because obviously the first time the Bulls got to playoffs uh, since Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay, sorry, I had to say that. Uh, but anyway, like, I was looking at like teams that would take on Levine. Portland made a little bit of sense, but that the salary maneuvering there would have to be extreme. Like I don't see them uh, having enough room for a max. And the Spurs were kind of like the only other team that I thought could make a big splash here. Because if you bring in Levine and you put him next to Dejounte Murray and Devin Vassell, like 
that's a nasty team right there too. So I think the Spurs are the biggest threats. Uh, Levine hasn't come out and said he wants to leave. I think he may just be enjoying his first real free agency, right? I think he's just going to really enjoy this and uh, uh, have the Bulls woo him here. But I think he's going to end up staying 100%. Yeah, the Hawks also have been in this conversation as well. That would have to be a sign and trade too. Brad? Yeah, where do you land on this one? Yeah, I mean, I've heard the Lakers come up to. Uh, he played. I think he played in UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but with, I mean, if he does go on the Lakers, just selfishly speaking, where, like, where's the defense on that team yet again? I mean, he's not going to help that case. Like, he's going to score 25 plus points, but I mean, it's just I don't know. Like, I, I love Levine, and I'm also not super worried about the knee, especially. I read a little more yesterday, and it is pretty minor. I expect him to be back for camp preseason all, all that but um just the lakers in particular i, I don't know he's gonna he's gonna score a ton but they just need they need defenders man I, I just and i don't know i yeah. don't know where to get them or if they're just gonna be toast again this season or i don't know i i, I digress how is it that the lakers are linked to every single name every single year it's like they're all season plans to bring in luca DeRozan, yeah. levine this year jeremiah grant like big market team some of these laker fan sites like i'm a laker fan too so i get it but some of these laker fan sites are just hilarious about their expectations of who they're bringing in is just like westbrook for levine who says no <laughs> i have seen some horrible <laughs> trade proposition i even scrolling on twitter i don't even know if some people are kidding or not at this point because they're just so outlandish and it, it's entertaining at the very least but i i, I can't totally believe all of it it's funny. I do think it's that time of year as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of how could the Hawks get Rudy Gobert trade proposals out there that it's like, <laughs> what? What are we? No, please. What are we doing here? Nothing against Rudy Gobert, but you're going to give up Clint Capella and a haul of other players to upgrade Capella to Gobert. Yep. Seems, no, thank you. Seems just ridiculous to me. Anyhow, that's the end of our list of topics. Uh, Jonas, no birds. I think we made it through. No no bird sightings. I'm disappointed he didn't make a showing, but I do hear him knocking on the window right outside my door. So next time. Go check on that. Guys, enjoyed this as always. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We're back on Friday, I think. Uh, yes, we're back on Friday. As the playoffs continue, as our off-season coverage continues, I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live. And Jonas, Brad, thanks, thanks for joining me, guys. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.